With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon. It's Friday, July 29th. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriend. Uh, how, how about if I start that over again? Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. And it is my pleasure today to introduce you to our guest, Deborah Bailey. And Deborah has written a book called Think Like an Entrepreneur. And uh, I, I do that without thinking, so it, it will be fun uh, to hear about uh, your book and, and why you wrote it. Uh, but first, uh, Deborah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I want to say also thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to speak with you. Um, I am uh, a writer, first and foremost. And also, I am a coach, a communications expert, and wearing many hats as an entrepreneur, which I really love that I can describe myself as more than one thing. But I love to give presentations uh, to women, particularly who want to go into business or make the transition out of corporate, and just uh, help to prepare them for the path. Now that everything has changed so much around us, I feel that you know those people who have been through a transition can really be the teachers and helpers to others who want mm-hmm. to know if they want to take this leap. So Absolutely. that's uh, pretty much how I describe what I do. But as I said, I'm a writer at heart, so I'm so glad I'm able to use my writing skills as well as my coaching mm-hmm. skills. Well, I love the tagline for this book, which talks about transforming your career and taking charge of your life. And, Mm -hmm. Deborah, I spent the early part of my career, uh, actually the first half of my 30-year career was was in corporate America, but most of that was uh, starting up businesses within businesses. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of found out later that that I actually was an entrepreneur and that I was the internal consultant who was doing that. And a lot of our members are in corporate America. And, you know, I think that uh, folks who are in that corporate environment can also benefit from uh, the very things that you're talking about uh, in this book. So thinking like an entrepreneur isn't just planning for going out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, what I'd like to talk about today is how it also applies to people who actually are quite comfortable in a corporate environment, particularly with a at least a fairly predictable paycheck mm-hmm. um, and maybe aren't willing to take that plunge right now. But let's just dive right in. So clearly you wrote the book for uh, to help women uh, take charge of where they are, and if they wanted to be off on their own independently, uh, that really was your intended audience. Is that right? Yes, actually. Um, I had gone through a transition myself in corporate world for um, about 20 years, and I worked with AT&T and Johnson Johnson and Lucent and all these very large companies, and um, I realized I wanted to make a change in what I was doing. And uh, back when I got out of college, I wanted to go in business for myself. But at that time, I really didn't know anyone else who had done that. 
and I wasn't encouraged to do it at that time because the idea was to go into a company, stay there until retirement, and okay. get a pension. So I, you know, I took some time and I went into fashion, worked in the garment district, worked as a copywriter, did some other things for a while. And then I kind of decided, well, I'm just going to go follow along with all my friends who are in corporate, and they have more money. So I guess they were really right, and I was wrong. So I, you know, I followed that path, and then for a while I liked it. It was very interesting to learn something new because I transitioned from copywriting into IT, which was totally to the left brain side of things. And at first I really liked it, but after a while I realized that it wasn't quite the place for me, but I hung in there because I didn't know what else to do at that point. But eventually I decided I have to move on, and I planned to do that. It took about a year to prepare myself for that. So um, coming out into the, you could say, entrepreneurial world and looking at how I could support myself and really understand what that meant was a big mindset shift. And I just started writing about how I felt about it and, I had a coaching newsletter where I wrote different things that I include in the book. And I said, you know, I want to put this together and and get it out here because I've always wanted to write a book, though I thought that my first book would be a novel. I was never intending to write nonfiction, but it just seemed like I just wanted to say these things. So I put them out there more for the person in corporate who says, how can I treat my career, you know, as an entrepreneur within the company? But I found that a lot of people outside of corporate and even people going through life transitions have given me a lot of good feedback about it. So I think sometimes you, you think your audience is one group, but it turns out that it connects with other people after you know after other people pick it up and start letting you know how they felt about it. Right, right. Well, as I said, uh, you know, it, it really resonated with me because I while I have spent the last 15 years thinking I was an entrepreneur. I, I mm-hmm. actually didn't become an entrepreneur until I stepped off of the precipice of going from a service-oriented business mm-hmm. into a product-oriented business. And, and I just had lunch with someone today who is thinking about leaving her corporate job and, and wanted some advice about that. And I said, you know, when, when you just go out into a service business, such as consulting, um, you know, it actually – uh, particularly if you can go out and and have a couple of clients already in the wings, it mm-hmm. it doesn't feel so different. You work as much. You maybe have more flexibility because you're working from home initially. But uh, when you're actually starting a company where you have to raise capital and you've got payroll and and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. have to pay uh, payroll with Mastercard and Visa, it, it gets very <laughs> very different. So yeah. let's just let's dive right in and talk about the success traits of an entrepreneur. What what do you think um, people need to look at within themselves to see if they even have what it takes? Well, for me, um, looking at the, the traits that I had to use and, and also interacting with other um, entrepreneurs once I came out, one thing I realized was that I am an entrepreneur and probably always had that mindset but didn't know how to apply it. And I think what I really found out uh, after coming out was that people who have these ideas and creativity and they're willing to take risks, all these different things seem to be traits that are also true of more very creative people. So I said, you know, is it just that maybe it's all really these general traits that people have who can can really step out here and, and have these big ideas and, and see them through? So when I looked at it, I looked at vision, 
because if you really don't know where you're going, you know, they say, you, how can you get there? You have to have an idea of what you want to create in the first place. And I think often people are daydreaming, and I've done my share of that. But are you ever going to be able to do put this into practice? You know, that's really the difference. So when you have the vision, then you can see yourself in this situation. And you go, wow, I think, you know, there's there's a way to create this, to make this happen. But then I feel you really have to have that creativity, that that think out of the boxness that that you can look at a different way to get something done, as opposed to well, it always has to be this way because it's always been this way. Or maybe there's a different way to look at this, and everyone's not always open to that. So I, I think having that way of looking at life already opens up some other doors for you. Also, what I've found a lot is I say intuition and trust, trusting yourself. Because often, and you may have found that this uh, has happened a lot to you, is you put your ideas out there, and, and a lot of people will kind of shoot them down, or they'll tell you what's wrong with them, now, right. why or why you do can't this? do them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why do you want to do that? <laughs> right. And if you listen to that, sometimes you could make choices that maybe weren't the best when you look back on them because you didn't really trust, and maybe they were right. And you're you're going in uncharted territory. You you don't know what's going to happen. You 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 think you know, and you've got the vision. But is this really going to happen? And people telling you it's not, or do this instead. Sometimes it it sounds more credible than what you feel. So that's where the trust I feel really has to be there. Mm-hmm. But then I say taking action because nothing's going to happen if we just right. sit around and think about it. And and before that, of course, is making the decision, which can be very difficult to do. Right. Well, let, let's step all the way back to to the vision stage mm-hmm. because one of the things that you just said is, is about articulating your your vision and mm-hmm. actually saying it out loud as if you are going to do it, as opposed mm-hmm. to what if, what do you think about, but instead making the statement of I am in the process of doing X. Mm-hmm. So do mm-hmm. do you think that that plays a role in in that whole process because if if you're tentative going in mm-hmm. then the intuition can can pretty quickly get derailed and <laughs> and you won't trust your gut. Yes. So tell yes. us a little bit about the importance of the vision itself. Yes. The vision is important because you really do have to see yourself in in this environment or see the product that you're creating or or see the service, see people using it. You have to be there. You have to feel it. You have to hunger for it. It has to be real to you even before it's it's in the in the material world. It has to be something that's so strong that there's no way that this is not going to come out because you want this, you see it, you, you're living it, you're breathing it. Um, you know, I have that same situation when I write. You know, I'm sure a lot of writers, not necessarily even just nonfiction, any kind of writing where the characters are in your head and they're having conversations and you're seeing the sets and all of that has to happen first. And usually it does. It starts coming to you and then you really have to start to put this down. It's the same kind of thing. You know, you, you feel it and you're like, I have to do this. And I think the contrast that with daydreaming we can all daydream, you know, well, it would be nice if this happened. Well, it would be nice if I hit the lotto. Well, it would be nice if I did the other thing. But then there's a difference between sitting around and, and daydreaming and then it disappears and goes away and you go back to what you were doing than to have that really strong vision and seeing yourself in this new situation and knowing, wow, I'm so excited about this and this is helping propel me 
forward. Because, you know, as I'm sure that you've experienced, there's times when you're tired and you're like, why did I think of this? This is crazy. I'm exhausted. I want to see the light (laughs) in the tunnel. Oh, my God. You know, all of that. Right, right. And I think that passion is what helps you to just somehow keep going, even when you've hit the wall, even when things don't work out quite the way you wanted. You're like, okay, you know, let's regroup. As you were saying before about about doing something different um, with with the companies you're involved in, I feel that passion is what keeps you going, what keeps the person going who may hit the wall and have the failures and things that didn't work the way they thought, and they're just going to go on anyway as compared to the person who hits that wall and goes, I'm done, I'm out of here, I'll (laughs) go back to whatever, and I'm never going to do that again. You know, that I feel is where you need the passion and the vision to keep you going. Right. Right, and and you're right. Then that does help play into that uh, place of intuition, where where you do start, you know, testing mm-hmm. uh, the components of the dream. And then, you know, once once you are encouraged that you actually can do what you want to do, and you really believe, then you can move into that place of creativity, mm-hmm. where you start, uh, you know, actually putting together the recipe for success. So yes. so talk to me a little bit about the components of creativity. Well, creativity is one of those things that at times I've thought either you have it or you or you don't, <laughs> which is probably probably not not true, I think. But you know, sometimes if you're trying to explain a creative um, uh, way of solving a problem to someone who's just rigidly opposed, you can feel sometimes that maybe that really is true that that people just don't have it. But I I disagree. I think everyone has that. They may not be used to using it very often. So they've kind of turned that part of themselves off. But it's it's a thing of, okay, I want to get this particular um, product out here. And conventional means I, I don't know how to do this, or maybe I feel like I don't know the right people. Well, is there a way around this? Maybe I could start asking people, or is there a different way I can create this? Or maybe there's someone else I can just ask, and they know someone, and they need to know someone. Or, you know, maybe things aren't the way I thought. I, I really thought in order to put this out here, I had to go through this channel and that channel. Maybe it's not even that difficult. Maybe it's a matter of me just asking or looking on the internet and doing some research you know it's sometimes you just that little thing that we do differently could make us see so many things differently than we thought they were you know because i think we get into a rut of thinking and living and then we kind of turn off our brains in some way because nothing Mm -hmm. is new you know it's just the same experiences over and over but when you change your perspective then you can see, oh, maybe this is something I can do. Maybe this is um, a different way I can go. You know, so I think that entrepreneurs particularly have to be very resourceful and ready to take those risks. But you are often creating something that doesn't exist yet, and maybe never existed. You know, <laughs> so yeah, you, you, exactly. Yeah, you have to think. You have to be willing. To, to put something out there that no one else can see and that maybe seems kind of ridiculous to you at the time. Right. But, hmm, let's try this and see what happens, you know. And, right, and so so that actually takes us to this the, the next one, which I think mm-hmm. is actually the big one. And, and again, I want to stress that even when you're in a company, if you have an idea mm-hmm. to help the company 
go to the next level. Quite often, it can look very much like starting your own business. Uh, I did this back in 1985 within American Airlines, which uh, then the Sabre division that I was employed with was a part of the company. And and we were looking at starting a, a brand new line of business having to do with managing corporate expense reports, which mm-hmm. you know today is fairly big business uh, in, in the technology field. But then it was brand new, and you know I had to put together the business plan internally uh, to convince uh, you know Bob Crandall, who was then the CEO of American, uh, you know to give me the five million I needed to go out and acquire a little company, and mm-hmm. and so the this next chapter is uh, chapter five, which is about taking risks. And whether you're doing it for yourself or whether you're going to your leadership team and saying, look, there, we're missing something here and here's something new mm-hmm. that we can do, you always have to focus on the downside. And, and it's a, a, I think it's a pretty tricky balancing act to not let it steal your thunder. But particularly if you need to raise money, mm-hmm. um, you have to focus mm-hmm. a lot on the risks because it's it's uh, mandatory that you articulate that yes. in your in your offering memorandum. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that, Deborah. The risk part is the part I think that scares a lot of people away <laughs> from doing, right. doing anything differently than they've done or than they think people will accept. And a lot of times, you know, I feel in, in the corporate sector in terms of, you know, speaking about my own experience, often you may see a different way to do things. I mean, when I was in IT, and we may see a way to solve a major problem and save a lot of money in the company because we were dealing with the corporate book system. And it's like, well, I think if we just did this system differently or I just introduced this new procedure that this could really make a big difference. And there's always going to be the naysayers because a lot of times people have their own agenda, to be honest. You know, they they may be afraid that if you come in with this new idea that they're going to be displaced in some way or something's going to happen that they're going to lose some power. So you're always going to have to step, I think, gingerly depending on the situation you're in, Um, you know, how toxic it may be, how open the environment is. A lot of times you have to use your judgment. But I think that if if you come and you really can back it up with some data, and some numbers, if possible, and you can show how this the result of this can be, but also to let them know that, you know, this is the worst that can happen or, you know, if you want to put it that way, but just let them know what we're dealing with, I think, just being as transparent as possible. Well, I say that, I understand that in all environments that's not always, you know, you're not always able to do that with maybe playing your career at some risk at the same time. So to position yourself so that you do have your data up front, you can present it in a way that shows, yes, I know what I'm talking about, and make it clear as to, okay, if we do this, these are the possible scenarios that can happen. You know, I think that's a way that you can you can put it out there and yet make sure that it's not something where people are like, well, you promised this or we thought that. Well, you know, here it is, and usually document it's even better. <laughs> this is what right. I see, and this is what I think we can achieve, and these are the risks to that. You know, as, as a business analyst, I did a lot of um, analyzing systems, and you had to put the risks in the document and let them know, well, if we do this, these are the things that can happen. So that right. way there there is no real um, debate. You can see it in black and white. So the matter is now let's just jump out there. But I think a lot of times people, of course, don't feel like they want to do that if they don't really know what may happen and then the ramifications of that. You know, So I would say lay it out as much as you can 
and make sure that everybody is on the same page as much as you can. Do that as well, you know, so that that way we can right. all see the, the numbers. Sometimes that's what people need to see. They just need to right. see those numbers and the data in front of them. Exactly. And, you know, I asked you earlier what you felt the success traits were, and I and I found it interesting that you didn't say that an entrepreneur or someone thinking about moving out of a corporate job mm-hmm. needs to actually um, kind of take stock of their not only their own risk-taking uh, mm-hmm. uh, perspective, but if they're married, their spouse. Because mm-hmm. I, I can tell you, I went into my entrepreneurial venture, and again, I'm not talking about when I went out as, as a consultant, mm-hmm. uh, but more when I uh, started the technology company, that... You know, I don't remember asking my husband what, you know, how what his tolerance was going to be. And mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we put literally everything on the line, all mm-hmm. the way down to our house and, uh, you know, our all of our savings, et cetera, mm-hmm. as many entrepreneurs do. And it, you know, if I had asked him up front, I'm sure he would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because I just, you know, kind of plowed ahead and did it, um, mm-hmm. you know, he actually pushed himself to a limit that that he didn't realize um, that he could be a risk taker and entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, if you're doing a mental checklist of whether you can work for yourself, mm-hmm. even as a contractor, I mean, uh, one of the folks who's on the on the call. Um, you know, had worked for me uh, in in the past on on a salaried basis, and then mm-hmm. as we started this new entrepreneurial company, agreed to be part of the company and and was you know very instrumental at at helping to build the company, and then of course when the company didn't succeed, uh, you know, ended up being out of a job. So, um, you know, each person has to be able to figure out where they're comfortable, and then uh, again moving from all of those different things into actually being a consultant where the the ebb and flow of money can be mm-hmm. months, you know, in between engagements. Um, so all of that uh, is said really to lead into the next chapter, which is about decisions and, mm-hmm. and setting your goals and, and where you're really going to take this. And and I would also interject, uh, from my perspective, the, the when and the timing. And if you're in a corporate job and moving out, uh, how long do you need to prepare and what do you, what do you need to do financially? Uh, to get to that place where you're ready. Mm-hmm. Well, what what I did uh, personally was when I decided that I was going to move out of my um, regular full-time position and, and become a contractor, I took about nine months to do that. And I sat there and I looked at the money. I looked at made my projections as to how much money I was going to need, what could I do now, what bills could I pay off, how could I position myself because becoming a contractor at that time, I didn't know what kind of rate I would really get and what was going to happen at that point. So I said, well, you know, I know what I'm getting now. I don't know what's going to happen then, but I can now just take a snapshot of where I'm at and then where I want to be at that time, how much money can I invest or save or what has to happen, what should be paid off so that when this date rolls around, when I step out of here, I don't have all these things to worry about because they're right. already taken care of. So from from for me, I took that amount of time because I felt for me that worked. And, you know, as, as I mentioned in my experience in the book, is that you really have to make a plan first. You have to say, well... I want to do X. If you can make a plan, some people don't get that luxury because they've they've right. lost their position or whatever has taken place, and now they they really 
feel like, well, okay, what do I do now? But if you have that opportunity, then it's 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 time to sit down and look at where you are because maybe it's going to take longer for you to make right. that transition. Maybe you can make it quicker than you than you think. Or in some cases, and some people that I know, they've started up something while they're working full time, and everybody's not able to do that. I wasn't because my hours were so long and my commute to New York City (laughs) was four hours round trip. There was no time for anything else. But for some people, they can do it. So it may be something they can even say, well, I'm going to start this up now and start working on this. And then at some point, let me see where I'm at with the business. Let me see where I'm at with, with my job. Some people prefer to stay in that situation. They're fine with it. But you really have to be honest, and I don't know if we always want to be. Maybe we don't always want to look at our financial picture. We don't always want to look at what we really – can we really make this into a real um, situation for us? Because um, I think we can get, get stuck in the dreaming and the hoping and the wishing, right. and it's really scary to say, yes, I've decided this is it, and this is when I'm going to do it. That yeah, takes a know, lot. I- I had an employee uh, years ago when I uh, worked uh, in Atlanta for a major uh, technology provider in the travel industry, and Mm -hmm. she came to me and told me that she wanted to go out on her own, and would I go to bat for her um, with HR of actually Mm -hmm. changing her position from a full-time position into a contract position? And by doing that for her, um, she was able to parlay that because, you know, we were actually in a uh, a role where the work she was doing on a big project was starting to wind down, and she was mm-hmm. likely going to have to move into another department in the company anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it was a real win-win. And, you know, I think a lot of times, um, you know, individuals don't <clears throat> who are in a corporate job, <coughs> excuse me, don't think about that as an option. Mm, that's a good point, and that's true. I, I know a couple of people who have had their... Um, jobs go to part-time, and one of them is a friend of mine um, who has uh, a couple of young children, so it worked perfectly for her to maintain that status. She really wasn't interested in, in going back to a full-time, and, and they you know, were okay with that. But I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't realize it may be, depending on where they are and their relationship, maybe with management, that this could, is something they could find out about. You know, maybe they can do a part-time thing or they can be a contractor or there's some right. other way that they can still work for the company and then do the things that they also want to do as well. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point, too. I've got mm-hmm. a, another friend who, you know, has been gainfully employed for a couple of years mm-hmm. uh, but uh, is out very, very actively looking. And, you know, I suggested her to her because the folks that she has interviewed with are actually being very, very slow to get back to her. But each time she talks to them, they, you know, they say definitely they're wanting to move ahead. And I suggested this week that she go back to them and see if she could work on a contract basis with them. Yes. Um, you know, and and do what she does now, and and mm-hmm. then have you know enough income that she would be able to pay for insurance and the other things that quite often people uh, get concerned about. So I, I think that, like you said, there are so many different ways forward. But it's all about what you talk about in Chapter 7, which is taking action uh, <laughs> and actually making the step is, is uh, you know, perhaps the hardest. But once you've made it, mm-hmm. um, you know, then it, it's all about just uh, clearing the way and, and moving forward, moving through your fear, as you say. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, the taking action part, I think, 
is a tough one for a lot of a lot of us because that's where we can just get you know we're, we're our foot is poised you know to, to step out and we're just standing there because we're so afraid of what's going to happen we put our foot down okay uh oh you know what's going to come at me now so I think that's really you know sometimes I think visioning is is the most important trait other times I say well action is because nothing's going to happen unless you do something so. The thing is, how much do you really want that? And it sounds almost like a cliche because you hear people say it that way all the time. But I think a lot of times we get to a point where things get so uncomfortable that we have to do something, and that's when we do it. You know, when when I took action, I was just so, I could say, fed up, tired, um, disillusioned with everything that I said I have to do something, but I want to do something that makes sense instead of just, you know, some. You know, I've heard of people resigning, you know, leaving voicemails. They they go out for lunch, and I've heard, you know, stories about people quitting at lunch, over lunch or not coming back the next day because oh, wow. they're just so fed up, but they, they let themselves get to the point where they, right. they can't take it anymore instead of saying at some point, you know, let's see how I can do this. It makes sense for me. So I'm not just running, screaming out the door, you know. So that's why the action part comes in when you when you know what you want, and you're seeing it, and you you have all these other things lined up, and it makes sense. You've looked at it, you researched it, you've had everything written down. Then what's really stopping you? Except you know, you, we we want to know what's going to happen before we do it. And you know, sometimes you just have to step out on faith and know that I've put all this together, I've done the best I can. Now I'm going to take this step. So I think we, a lot of us get stuck with that part. With a lot of decisions. You know, not not just business right. ones. In everyday life, you know, we 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 think and overthink and think again <laughs> before we <Right. laughs> before we do it. So I I realized for me that was the key right there. You know, because I've been thinking about leaving um, as a full time corporate person for a couple of years before I did. Right. I I've been thinking about. It, I've been looking into it, but I never took action. Right. You know, so I realized, wow, that was the key. That was the thing that maybe makes the the difference between a lot of people who sit around and maybe complain and those that finally say, yes, I'm going to do this. You know, it's right. really just taking that first step is really so important. Well, and and this woman that I met with for lunch today, you know, one of the things I was telling her is is that you know your dream may uh, be ahead of its time. And and you also need to be respectful um, of of the timing uh, of your dream, because uh, in her case, um, she is wanting to go out and and build a company, um, you know that that does meeting planning and in a very unique and, and uh, specific way. But I said, you know, right now, if it were me, I would wait until after the 2012 election because our our economy is going to be incredibly volatile. Until after uh, the next inauguration, mm-hmm. and and so you need to take a look. And and since I have been ahead of my time so many <laughs> times in in different ventures, both inside, uh, you know, that very first venture I talked about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, even though we moved ahead and I got the funding to acquire the company and we built out the technology, the business even within American Airlines didn't succeed, and I had to lay off, mm-hmm. you know, ninety people. But but the the idea wasn't bad, and 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 the vision wasn't wrong. It was just 
the wrong time. There were no yeah. PCs on the desktop in corporations. So, you know, how could you do automated expense reporting? It was actually pretty nuts. But, you know, I I think taking a look at your idea and, and seeing how sustainable it is and, and what those those factors are that are going to impact it are really, really important. So, So once you do step out, and again, whether it's inside a company to, to start something new or you're going out on your own, how do you stay motivated? Well, that is the tricky part. <laughs> and 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 also to speak to what you mentioned about being ahead of, uh, of your time, um, I can remember a kind of tablet uh, PC when I was back in AT&T. And I believe people used a stylus with it. I don't think it was something that was like touch. Right. And it came out, and a few of the people had it because in, in our IT department, you know, you have a lot of early adapters. Oh, yeah. But it really fizzled out. And to be honest, I can't oh, yeah, remember the, the name. Newton. Yeah, there wasn't were a it? whole bunch of them. Yeah. Um, something, wasn't something like this out before? <laughs> but it was ahead of the time, ahead of the curve. People weren't ready for this yet. So that's such a great point that you've made that sometimes you you have that right idea but maybe it's not the time for it or maybe it's not you know really the, t- the idea for you to put out there maybe it's something that that might be best if you license it and have sold it or or someone else is going to be implementing it sometimes you never know i think entrepreneurs get lots of great ideas you know but but unfortunately we can't chase after them all so who knows maybe they're they're just ideas that other people can really use and we can benefit from um in that way but um you know i just wanted to to make uh make that point but the motivation is the part that is the tough part i think because once we get to a point where we're feeling good about what we're doing and we have the vision we're going to have those tough times as well and what I do is I read a lot of books, I listen to a lot of um, different recordings and things that help me to stay focused and involved with positive people or people you can vent with sometimes and, and who will vent to you and you can kind of, you know, share some ideas or brainstorm or just even, you know, someone else who gets what you're going through. And it's the, the ongoing thing that once you've made this decision now, in a sense, you can you can say, well, I'll always go back or I can go back. You know, it's like someone who loses weight and, and keeps all their old clothes in the closet. It's almost like, well, you know, if you're if you're going to move forward, you have to kind of like burn everything behind you and just say, this is the way I'm going to live from now on. So in that case, often we're going to have to change how how we live, change how we think, change how we how we look at the world. As an employee, maybe you're looking at the world in a totally different way that you're not the one who's jumping out there and taking risks alone. You know, you may be part of a structure. Maybe you're not really the risk-taking person. You know, someone else is doing that, and then you're part of, um, you know, the structure that, that helps implement something. But once you're out there yourself, and it can get really lonely out there by yourself, I think we really have to change how we do things and if that means in the morning you have to have some kind of ritual that you meditate or you pray or you exercise or you do something that helps you to stay in a certain mindset if maybe Mm -hmm. you just surround yourself with people who are positive and helpful and supportive right you know and people who tell you the truth you know it may mean changing a lot of things you're currently doing and also i think something I don't think it's mentioned a lot is more self-care, you know, because 
everything I went through in corporate, I wasn't taking care of myself physically. I was always either working, eating some really cheesy food, or, you know, maybe sleeping at midnight and jumping up again to go. You Self-care becomes important because you are the company. And even if you have other people working for you, if you're at the core of this thing, you have to have it together. You know, you have to have your mind right, your body right. It becomes more important. I think so, especially I think women, a lot of times we don't always pay attention to that for ourselves. So I feel it has to become a new way of living, a new, unless you've always been that way, and that's wonderful. Right. But a lot of us haven't <laughs> been that right, way. Right, right. You know, we, we haven't been in a way that now we have to put the tools in place so that our mindset, because that is really key to everything. The right. mindset, what you think about, what you believe is possible. We have to put the tools in place so that we are always generating this mindset that's going to help us. And when things don't go the way we want and we can't lay there for months, you know, crying about it, we have to be able to get back up again and go on. But if you don't have those support systems in place, it gets harder and harder to do that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, some people, I I know I have heard people who try to leave corporate so that they will actually have more time for themselves, and then they Mm. find out that the entrepreneurial grind can actually take a lot more hours. So I I really echo uh, the the whole notion of taking care of yourself and and really finding a mentor. You talked about somebody who's going to be honest. you know, someone who has uh, enough experience and perspective to help guide you to success. Mm-hmm. And it it may not be your best friends. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I uh, have have a number of people that are close to me, but they, they don't necessarily uh, have the business experience to give me, uh, you know, the, the correct direction. Mm-hmm. And so I've sought out uh, a number of mentors, and they're all different. Uh, and and uh, quite unusually and and those who are on the call uh today know that normally I would surround myself with women but it's odd that my my three business mentors uh are men mm. and uh mm-hmm. and uh former you know very very senior executives mm-hmm. um you know who've worked with large companies who can uh you know help on a lot of fronts and and I, you know, whether it's finding men or finding women or or just joining the egg call to get, uh, you know, to get input and and um, and inspiration each week, um, I, I think that that one is is probably the most key for my success uh, mm-hmm. of staying motivated. So, what would be the one thing that that if if you could only give one piece of advice to someone who you know, either it has some unease of where they are right now and, and, you know, they don't know whether they just want to start something new with within their company or they want to go out. What would be the one thing that you would tell them? I think if they're not sure, and it's easy not to be sure because, as you said, when people come out of that environment, sometimes they think, oh, it's going to be better, but then they don't realize the challenges that happen. I would say certainly if you can um, set an appointment to meet with someone who is already doing it, uh, lunch day, coffee, someone who you can just sit down and, and chat with and see what they're about, how they got started, or listen in to these type of recordings. Or I think it's better if you try to make contact with, with a person who is doing it. Then you can get what I call the real deal on it and you'll know okay this is what's involved and this is what i've been through and you know this is how i overcame these things so that you can look at that and look at your own life and what you need in your life right now and say does this really fit into how i want to live right now or not 
You know, I, I think the best way is just to go straight to the people who are doing it and find out what their experiences have been. And that's something I didn't do, and I, I wish I had because I didn't think to do that. You know, I was right. kind of in a bubble in, in, in that world. I knew people who were working and had a business, but I really didn't know a lot of people who were actually out there. So that's something I, I would have go, gone back and done um, if I could do it over again just to get their perspective on it and understand, okay, this is really what's involved. You know, I, I think that it doesn't hurt for us to ask, and a lot of times we don't always do that, but we should ask and find out straight from the people doing it. Great, great. Well, it has been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Deborah. can you let folks know how they can best get a hold of you? Yes, um, my website is uh, .com. Uh You can also reach me at contact at dbaileycoach.com, and I have a blog, womenentrepreneursecrets.blogspot.com, that has uh, information, articles um, of interest to women entrepreneurs, and also I post information about my um, Internet radio show there. So those are a couple of places you can find me. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us. And, uh, again, your book is called Think Like an Entrepreneur. And is the book already out? Yes, it's on Amazon.com. And okay, um, it's great. available for Kindle as well. Okay, well, great. Well, it is also on our Executive Girlfriends uh, group book site then. I, I just, I had, since I had just an electronic copy, I wasn't sure whether it was, uh, whether it was out yet. Um mm -hmm. So, uh, again, Deborah, thank you so much, and uh, please feel free to join us any Friday. We uh, we have a call every single Friday. Next week, our author guest is Lois Frankel, and she wrote a book called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office 101, Unconscious Mistakes Women Make That Sabotage Their Careers. So, uh, again, we are going to turn off the recorded portion of the call now, and um, we have some time of, of uh, just catching up with each other. So, uh, again, Deborah, thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. Okay. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 